Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 257. Um, I'm calling it 257. Really, this could have been like, what is it, 256.5? It's really a continuation of the last episode where we talked about Formula One going into the race, and now we're talking about what happened in the race this morning. Uh, it's another Formula One episode. Again, if you're a football fan, you're like, hey, don't care, no problem, skip it, love you, see you next episode. Um, now, this morning I got up at 6 a.m., had my kitten with me, keeping me company, taking notes. I was taking notes, not the kitten. I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, we watched the Rolex Austrian Grand Prix. And, I mean, it was a wild race. I don't think that, you know, way more stuff happened than I expected. And I think that's not normal. I think a lot of, I mean, there was nine do not finishes. A lot of stuff went on. And I got to say, this was my first time truly sitting down to watch a live Formula One race. I'm new to the sport. I love the sport. I think I know a lot about it. Not a lot, but I about the history and what's gone on the last couple of years. I've done a lot of research trying to figure out, hey, what were the storylines last year or two years ago and how has it gone on? But to be honest, this is my first time sitting down and getting up at six in the morning here in America to watch a race. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, so many things happened. Now I want to start by talking about the guys who retired early. The one was the, that was the worst for me, at least from a fan perspective. Maybe not a fan perspective, but from my perspective, watching Max Verstappen go out early in the race uh, because of a problem with his power unit <clears throat> wasn't fun. It really sucked to watch. You know, I thought maybe he had the best chance to challenge Mercedes, and when he didn't, I went, man, I don't know. I was just very disappointed. Now, here are the other eight drivers that retired early. Again, this is not something normal. I know I'm new to the sport, but I can tell you, I don't expect every race to be this crazy and chaotic and wild. Um, but we got a treat of a race yesterday, or I guess this morning now. Um, it, <laughs> I'm saying it's confusing because it's midnight for me. So like it just became tomorrow, even though I watched the race when I woke up this morning. Very weird and confusing. Um, Daniel Ricardo's Renault overheated. Lance Stroll had a power issue. Uh, both Haas drivers had brake failure. Kevin Magnussen and Romain Grosjean. Uh, George Russell's Williams. Had a fuel pressure problem. Kimi Raikkonen's wheel. I don't know if you're watching this. Kimi Raikkonen's wheel just fell off. Went, oh, crap. And apparently it happened in pit lane. It got cross-threaded. And so Alvaro Romeo actually got fined 5,000 euros for the incident in pit lane. Daniel Kriat. It's KVY. Now, in America, I've never come across the, the, <laughs> the sequence of letters KVY before in my life. I'm going to pronounce it Kriat. I think that's how it's said. Uh, he had suspension failure. And then the other Red Bull, Alex Albon, had a power unit problem as well. Now, Red Bull Racing had a frustrating day overall, kind of a frustrating race. They had two do-not-finishes DNFs. And what's sad is both racers were in a podium place and then lost it because of the, the problems they were having. And it, it just was like, man, I felt bad for Red Bull. I think if I had to pick a – I don't have a favorite racing team. I love all the storylines. I think it's fun. I root for pretty much everybody. There's not anybody I hate, really, in the sport right now. Um, if I had to pick a favorite team, I like Red Bull, just because I think a lot of people are going, man, they're the best chance, it seems like, to beat Mercedes, and it'd be cool to see the underdog win. And so I was disappointed with how they did today. Now, Lewis Hamilton just had a bad weekend overall. You know, He had a problem in qualifying where he got a three-place grid penalty for ignoring yellow flags during qualifying. 
And I'll be honest, it seemed like some trickery by Red Bull where they protested right before the race with a video. They waited until the final moments to catch Mercedes off guard. It cost Lewis Hamilton. He got moved back from his starting point, went from second to fifth. And then during the race, so that penalty in qualifying, then during the race, Lewis Hamilton got another penalty. And it pushed him from a podium place second to fourth. Now, this was something I believe that Lewis Hamilton deserved. Alex Albin made a move to overtake Lewis Hamilton, and Alex was ahead going around a corner. Hamilton understeered right into him. And I felt so bad for Alex Albin. And it was, a, it was Hamilton's fault very clearly, and I would be furious if I was Alex. I mean, I, he was. You could hear him on the radio saying, man, this guy's such a sore loser. And we got to dive into what happened between Lewis Hamilton and Alex Albin because this is the second time this has happened to Alex from Lewis Hamilton. And Alex Albin's not wrong when he says, man, this guy is a, cannot take losing it. He's a sore loser. Now, Hamilton got karma a little bit where he got moved out of a podium place. But for Alex Albin, there's no justice because, yeah, it might be good to see the guy that screwed you over and ended your day, basically, get uh, you know moved out of a podium place. But what did Alex get? Alex didn't really get anything. I don't want to ask people, what are you supposed to do? Like, are you, are you just not supposed to pass Lewis Hamilton? Is that how things are going to work now? You know, don't pass me or I'm going to spin you out. I'll understeer right into you and t- knock you out of the race. And, and, I, and I know Alex Albin had a power, you know, a power unit failure. That's what, at the end, technically got him out. But he went from, like, competing to get into second place to way at the back of the grid. He's like, yeah, now, I mean, there's a reason. I think Alex had, there's a lot of factors that went to him retiring early. Like, hey, we're out of the race. We might as well DNF, whatever. Um, and so it was just infuriating to watch. I felt so bad for Alex. Now, I do want to say... I would be furious if I was Alex. I've said that many times, but I do believe Alex should have been more patient. I don't know if it was actually 20 seconds after a restart, but it felt like 20 seconds after restart where, you know, there was no patience from Alex. He immediately after the restart happened, after yellow flags, tried to make a move and pass Lewis Hamilton. And I I thought he should have waited for a better opportunity. Now, maybe that's not how racing works. Maybe you got to take what you get. I don't know. Um, but I also believe maybe Alex didn't want to get slowed up. He didn't want to get slowed down battling for second place with Lewis. Well, Valtteri Bottas just gets away and pulls away in first place. You know, Alex wanted to get into second place and then challenge Bottas. So I get it. Um, but I, I, I just felt bad. Alex had his day kind of ruined because of a move that Lewis Hamilton didn't give him space to get around the corner. And I just, I, I, I'm glad he got penalized. Felt very well deserved. Now, as a result of the penalty, maybe the the coolest story of the day was that Lando Norris from McLaren got his very first F1 podium, got third place. And I was so happy for Lando. I think everybody was. Was anybody watching going, ah, this darn kid, I hate him? I don't think anybody was. I think a lot of people watched Lando Norris celebrate. There was that moment where he jumps up on the McLaren CEO, Zach Brown. There literally just jumps on him and hugs him. And... I like Lando Norris. It's hard to hate him. And I think everybody watched that and went, oh, that's cool. No matter who you are, no matter what your favorite team is, everyone kind of went, you know what? That's a cool moment. And I like McLaren all around. Lando Norris is 20 years old. They're getting Daniel Ricciardo next year. 
you know, plus the budget cap could really help them compete with bigger teams like Ferrari and Mercedes. They're building something at McLaren. I really believe they're headed in the right the right direction. I can't remember what NFL team I compared them to the other day, but I I think that might have been wrong because they I think are they're truly building something. Got a young core there. I love the people running McLaren and they're doing some stuff right. They're building a good good team over at McLaren. Now, Racing Point did not impress me. So many people keep saying to me that I need to pay attention to Racing Point. They're like, Racing Point is driving a Mercedes car. They legally copied Mercedes. They're so great. They're going to be in the race for best of the rest. And I just want to say having a good car isn't good enough. They had a power unit failure with Lance Stroll. And then number two, they didn't pit Sergio Perez, Chico. Checo, Checo Perez? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know the lingo well enough. I'm too new to Formula One. Please don't hold it against me. I think it's Checo Perez, they call him. The point is, they didn't pit him during a safety car at the end of the race, and Sergio Perez didn't get new tires. And as a result, he got passed by Carlos Sainz right at the end. And a good car. Okay, great. They're driving a Mercedes. What are you going to do with it? I mean, do you have the right people that can take advantage of having that? I don't know that Racing Point does. Because a good car is not enough. You need a talented driver. You need good management. You need good decision-making and good engineering. There's a lot of factors that go into winning in Formula One. And the engine, the car itself, isn't enough. And so, I mean, you can even have the parts now, the wrong engineering, not doing the, good, the right stuff with the car. So I just, I don't know. I'm, ra- I'm waiting for Racing Point to grab my attention, but they have to earn it. I have nothing against them. I w- Lance Stroll... Um, I think is interesting. I, I think he's more talented. He's not just a gentleman driver. He didn't just buy in. He did buy into Formula One, but I think he has some talent a little bit to go along with it. So I don't have anything against them, but I'm just not going to buy in until they earn it, until they prove that they deserve a little bit more respect in the grid of Formula One. Now, the biggest takeaway for me today is Mercedes dominance. And technically, they got first and fourth. Like, if you look at the standings today, they'll say, hey, you know, Valtteri Bottas got one, Lewis Hamilton got fourth. But if Lewis Hamilton wasn't given a penalty, then they both would have got one and two. And the only reason people even had a chance for Lewis to get a penalty was because George Russell retired, a safety guard had to be brought out, and it brought the grid together. So... You got to look back and have some context here. At the end of the race, Mercedes was ahead by literally both cars were up 10 seconds ahead of the rest of the grid. I mean, they were so far ahead. And they, you know, everybody else got kind of lucky. I mean, you could see teams celebrating when the yellow car, when the yellow flag got waved and the safety car had to come out. People were celebrating. Yes, the grid's coming back together. Mercedes can't just get away easily off this. And so I think context has to be applied a little bit where Mercedes dominated, but they had some bad luck and still won anyway. You got to realize, like, they were unbelievable. Bad luck. Some things went wrong. Lewis Hamilton got a penalty. But if, if Lewis Hamilton doesn't get a penalty, if he doesn't get a penalty in qualifying or in the race, or if there's not a yellow car, a lot of things had to go right for Mercedes to not basically sweep the grid today. And so I I think that that has to be really taken with context. Mercedes looks like 
they're going to dominate. They were 10 seconds ahead and pulling away from the rest of the crowd. Now, we were robbed of one piece of drama that I think, I think it was better, the, the, way, the way it played out was better than this potential storyline I'm going to lay out. But what I, what I wanted to see, the storyline I wrote down, I can't wait to see this happen. Let's imagine that there's no safety card that gets called. And you have both Mercedes 10 seconds ahead of everybody else. Valtteri Bottas one, Lewis Hamilton number two. You know, you and I both know that at some point, Lewis Hamilton would have tried to pass Valtteri Bottas. You know it. I can hear Ayrton Senna in my head saying, if you don't go for a gap, you're no longer a race car driver. I just I, I I wish we'd seen that. I wanted to watch a true race between Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. I'm sad we didn't get that. Um, even if Mercedes is saying no, no, hold off, constructors' cup. We need we got to get all the points from one and two. I I just I can see Lewis Hamilton going. I don't care. I got to go for it. I, I really think that's interesting to me. I'm sad we didn't get that. And I wonder if at some point later this year we might get that exact same scenario and get a true race between Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. Now, Ferrari struggled early. They ended up in P2 with Charles Leclerc. But I got to say, if nine cars don't retire, I don't think Ferrari would have gotten to the podium today. I, I think that early on in the race, before everyone else was gone from the grid, now, hey, credit to Ferrari. Attrition matters. They, they had no DNFs. They, were, they, they held their own pretty good. But I'm not confident that Ferrari would have been on the podium again if nine guys didn't go out of the race early. I think something's up with our car. I, it, something didn't feel right with Ferrari today where they kind of snuck in there at the end. But I, I, I just I don't feel great about Ferrari. I don't I don't I don't I wish I had more to say about that other than I just have a, a feeling in my gut that's like this feels off a little bit from Ferrari this season. Now, as I expected, Sebastian Vettel drama did ensue. And you know, Vettel's being replaced by at Ferrari next year by Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz is coming in, taking Sebastian Vettel's place. And during the race, oh so what had happened to Sebastian Vettel ran into Carlos Sainz, spun him out trying to pass him. Now, let me, let me be clear. Sebastian Vettel spun out. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel took a risk trying to show up the guy taking his place and <clears throat> spun out. And I'm curious how much more of that kind of stuff is going to happen this year. I like Sebastian Vettel. I'm a fan of him. But I think anytime you're being replaced and your ego, I, I think, is bruised a little bit and you don't care what your team thinks anymore... I think we could see Sebastian Vettel go a little bit rogue this year. And I think we're going to see a little bit more reckless stuff happen where I just go, man, I, I, I don't know. Keep your eye on Sebastian Vettel. There's some drama there. And a lot of stuff's going to happen as a result of him getting replaced at Ferrari. Now, he did push back, you know, up the grid, made it back into 10th place, got some points. Um, no, is it one point? <laughs> not, not much. And he only beat, I mean... He only beat a Williams. That's pretty sad. I, I can see the memes. There are so many memes from this race that are going to come. One of them has got to be that, you know, with nine DNFs, Williams still didn't get a point. Are you kidding me? Now, after retiring today, I, I'm so glad to see Daniel Ricciardo leaving Renault. I just, it feels like he's had nothing but car trouble since getting there. I feel so bad for him. 
Now he chose to be there. I think he made a mistake going there to, in the first place. Um, but I'm happy to hear that Daniel Ricardo's leaving Renault and going to McLaren. I'm also happy for Valtteri Bottas. Uh, he went through a divorce last year. I actually follow him on Instagram. I follow him and his new partner. And he looks so happy. I just, it was a cool, I know a lot of people hate on Mercedes. I think their black cars are really cool. And I felt happy for Bottas. I just like, oh, that's a good story. I like him. Nothing. Mercedes is like the most likable. They're, they're kind of the villain in Formula One because they win so much. But there are some teams in sports and a lot of things in sports where some, somebody's a villain and I go, I get why you hate them. Mercedes is hard for me to hate. I just, I think they have likable people there. I think they, they dominate, which is kind of frustrating. I get that. And if you're a fan of like Ferrari or Red Bull or literally any other team, you go, I hate that Mercedes wins every single race. But I do think that they could be way worse. I mean, they could be, I just, I don't hate them as much as everyone else does. Um, I think that they are, they're classy. I like their, I like their style and I like, um, I like Valtteri Bottas. I think he's a class act and I was happy for him winning today. Now I did figure out how to say Alpha Tauri. Tauri? Tauri. I can't say it properly yet. Now I heard, um, heard the announcer say it. I wonder if that kind of makes sense. If you, if you go on YouTube and you try to figure out how to say Alpha Tauri, Everyone says alpha to blah, 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 and they kind of mumble off the end. They go alpha to blah, 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 blah. and you're like, "What do you mean alpha to blah, 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 blah? That's not a that's not a word." I'm gonna say alpha tauri, alpha tau t a u tau re makes sense to me. I hope I'm right. Shot in the dark. We'll find out. I'm sure. I'm I'm certain people will send me messages saying you're right, you're wrong, whatever. I'm gonna say alpha tauri. Hey, if you hate it, comment on YouTube or whatever. Tell me I'm super wrong and you hate me and that you want me to say it properly. Um, now, I will say that not having fans in the stands had no impact on my experience at all. Um, it might have felt weird for the racers, but this is not the NBA or soccer or basketball. Fans don't really have a gigantic impact on a Formula One race. And so watching on TV, there was no impact. It felt exactly the same to me. Totally normal. And I think another thing that's a bit overlooked in the sport of Formula One, but underappreciated. The broadcasters are awesome. Again, this was my first time watching a live race where I'm watching it the minute it's happening on TV. But I've watched a lot of Formula One races. I'm a nerd. It's been, we've been stuck inside because of coronavirus. I have gone back and watched way too many race replays. And I think the broadcasters are great. I mean, I don't know who I even heard. I think it was David Croft. I know for sure that Martin Brundle was there. Um, but I was listening to the intro. Again, I believe it was David Croft doing the intro saying, we are here in glorious Austria. And they're showing the beautiful shot of the mountains and it's super green everywhere. And he's going on this like long, long rant by himself. And I go, man, this dude is killing it. I just was so impressed as a guy who talks for a living into a microphone for a lot of time in a row. Um, I was just really impressed. And I, I, I thought it was great. Again, I want to go back to this. There's a meme I have on my phone where, you know, a lot of memes, I think, came from this race, but one of them about Williams really stuck out to me. I want to read it to you guys. It says, uh, <laughs> F1 God to Nicholas, and I'll put it on screen on YouTube. F1, YouTube, F1 God to Nicholas. I've got good and bad news for you. Nicholas <laughs> says, okay, well, give me the good one first. F1 God. You're going to finish P11 in your debut race. Nicholas, holy, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Wait, what's the bad news? F1 God. <laughs> You're going to be last anyway. I just go back to, I, I cannot believe, let this sink in. There were nine retirements in the race today. 
and Williams still did not get a single point. It's like, oh, oh my God, it's tragic. It's sad. Again, there are going to be so many good memes from this race. So many good storylines took place and went on. And um, I can't wait to watch people make fun of Lewis Hamilton for, you try to pass me, you shall not pass. I th- that means got to be made. Making fun of Lord of the Rings, that'd be hilarious. Um, did I just make a meme? Question mark? I don't know. I haven't been on Reddit today. I'm sure someone already did that. Um, and I, I go back to Williams. It's kind of funny. It's kind of sad. But that's all I have on the race today. It was phenomenal. I loved it. I hope you enjoyed watching it. And I don't believe every race is going to be that exciting and interesting. But, man, this one was great. Now, I have three questions questions slash comments I want to read from the audience. I call this Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. What happens here is that you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. And you can give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to... Submit a question on Patreon. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show, but I do guarantee I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple that are going to fit this show that day and read them on the podcast. So the first question today is from John Luke. He says, to answer your question about engine costs, F1 currently only has four companies that supply engines for the field. That is Renault, who supplies Renault and McLaren, Ferrari, who supply Ferrari, Haas, and Alfa Romeo, and then for Mercedes, who supply Mercedes, Racing Point, and Williams, and Honda, who supply Red Bull and Alfa Tauri. Now, in F1, there are two kinds of teams. The first kind is what they call works teams. These are usually associated with a large car manufacturer who either own or support and work closely with the team. They produce both the engine and the chassis. The other kind of team is what they call customer teams. So a works team is Mercedes, Ferrari, and Renault. Now, customer teams, teams like Red Bull, they design the chassis, and then they have deals with the engine manufacturers manufacturers who supply the engines. The idea when excluding the cost of these deals from being included in the cost cap is to not punish customer teams. That makes a ton of sense. I'm glad you said that to me, John Luke. I appreciate it. Jean-Luc, I'm saying the gullies. I'm so sorry. I'm from America. I'm an idiot. We talk bad English. I'm telling you, I've met German people who speak better English than I do. It's just a thing we're bad at. It's like, I can't believe English is the first language here and the only language I know because I'm a piece of crap. Um, And again, I'm so impressed with people in Europe that are like, I can speak four languages and they all sound better than my English. And I'm like, man, you people. Uh, Jean-Luc, thank you so much. Thanks for looking at this with your eyeballs. And uh, to you listening, I'm so glad. Now, the next question is from Sean. As I drink some water real quick. Sean writes in, he says, so Sebastian, what am I saying? Oh my gosh, what am I saying? He says, Sean writes in, he says, what do you think of the driver lineups for 2021? And I want to talk about first Sebastian Vettel. He has been kind of booted by Ferrari. He's out at Ferrari. And Carlos Sainz is going from McLaren to Ferrari to replace him at Ferrari. Daniel Ricciardo is going from Renault to McLaren to replace Carlos Sainz. And I think Ferrari, I, I'm not a gigantic fan of Ferrari. I kind of make fun of them a little bit a lot. I call them the Dallas Cowboys of F1. And I say that, you know, they are, again, I think they are pretty dramatic. I think there's a lot of politics that go on behind the scenes at Renault, at a, for, what am I saying, Ferrari. I don't know that I'd want to be a part of their company. Although, man, if they want to sponsor me, hey, I'll drive a Ferrari. That'd be awesome. Um, although I don't know if it's on brand for me. So 
Ferrari did a great move here, though, where they brought they got rid of Vettel. Vettel's pretty clearly wants to be a number one. I think his ego is a little bit bruised. He used to be a number one. He used to be a champion. He's not anymore. And the options for Ferrari to replace Sebastian Vettel with were Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo. And Carlos Sainz's personality makes him a great number two. The Robin to somebody else's Batman. Ferrari wants to build around Charles Leclerc. That's very, very clear. And Carlos Sainz's ego isn't a problem. It's not going to get in the way at all. You look at how he works with Lando Norris at McLaren. I think Ferrari said, we want that. We want him to help mentor uh, our young guy, Charles Leclerc. And he's talented enough to score points and contribute to Ferrari trying to win a championship. I think Carlos Sainz going to McLaren is a phenomenal, phenomenal move for everybody. And I'm happy for Carlos Sainz. Again, Ferrari's political. They're imperfect. But driving for a Ferrari is a huge, prestigious job. And Carlos Sainz, man, good for him. Uh, the Spaniard man doing well, cool for him. Now, a couple of years ago, Daniel Ricardo left Red Bull for Renault. And it seemed like a mistake to me. It very clearly was a mistake. And part of it was likely money. It was pretty clear, like, hey, Renault, what happened, the, sto- the back story there is that, you know, Renault what used to be the, I guess, the works company that sold and en- sold engines to Red Bull. And you remember, you know, Ricardo was the driver for Red Bull. And after Red Bull dumped Renault and said, we're not going to take your engines anymore. We're going to go with Honda. Renault responded by buying away (laughs) Red Bull's driver, saying, okay, we're going to steal Daniel Ricciardo from you. And my guess is by winning the press conference, they paid Daniel Ricciardo a lot of money. So it's maybe very possible that Daniel Ricciardo just said, hey, this is so much money, I'm going to take it even if it hurts my career. But also, my question is, can Daniel Ricciardo handle being Robin instead of Batman? Can he be number two? McLaren has got two good drivers. They're building something. But, you know, it's pretty clear McLaren is building around Lando Norris, this young, awesome guy. And I want to see how... Daniel Ricciardo works with Lando Norris and McLaren. How does it work out? It could be great. It probably will be great. Everything I've seen from interviews of Daniel Ricciardo is he's not, I I don't know that he's a a problem. I don't think he's a gigantic egomaniac. I think he likes himself a little bit, but if you, you, how do you be a Formula One driver if you don't have confidence? But because of what he did at Red Bull, where, you know, my hesitation to think that McLaren might be killing it here with this move. I think they are. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I, I love Dan, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. He's talented. He can help McLaren in their pursuit of winning a championship and doing better. He's going to score a lot of points for them. But my hesitation here is, can Daniel Ricciardo handle being number two? Because if he could, why didn't he go to number two at Red Bull? He didn't want to be number two behind Max Verstappen. Now, maybe Max Verstappen was a pain to work. I, I don't know what the, the stuff behind the scenes is. But I remember that when Daniel Ricciardo left Red Bull, I said, that's a mistake. He's, he's making a decision because he doesn't want to be number two behind Max Verstappen, and he wants the money. I hope he can handle being number two behind Lando Norris. Now, again, Daniel Ricciardo's the, the senior to Lando Norris, but Lando Norris is a rising star in Formula One. And I just hope Daniel Ricciardo can handle not being the entire star of the show with McLaren. I think he can. I'm just not 100% because of the way he left Red Bull, where I went, 
just take a back seat, score a lot of points to Red Bull, and be number two to Max Verstappen. He couldn't be number two then. Can he be number two coming up in the future at McLaren? Okay, Jack writes in. Jack says, a lot of F1 fans are upset with a new calendar because they believe it favors Red Bull. For example, there is a doubleheader in Austria, which is one of Red Bull's best tracks. Do you think the new calendar favors Red Bull? If it does, do you think Max Verstappen has a chance at the Drivers' Championship? And also, do you think that people will put an asterisk on this championship because of the short calendar and new format? Um, I'll be honest, Red Bull did not seem to be favored today. Uh, they had two DNFs. They didn't, I, I, I mean, they clearly know the track well. They were at the front in podium positioning. But I don't think that it really heavily favors Red Bull. You got to realize... F1, Formula One had to organize events. And I, you know, my ex-girlfriend was in event planning. Organizing an event, a sporting event or a basketball game, a racing or a racing event, whatever it is. Organizing an event is a massive, massive undertaking. You need permission, you need to rent a site. There's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody thinks about. And having two races in Austria was smart. Logistically, it's so hard to find a location. And it's cheap for teams because you don't have to move everything. You know, to have a race for two weeks in the same place, everything's there. It lowers your cost of moving everything. Teams have an easier time. Now, does Max have a shot to win the championship? First of all, again, I don't think that everything was biased towards Red Bull. Now, I don't also, I love Max Verstappen. Again, if I had to pick a favorite team in Formula One, it would probably be Red Bull. Again, I don't, but I love Christian Horner. I, I, I like Max. I think he's really talented. Does Max have a shot to win a championship? No. No, he doesn't. I, I wish he did. I like him. Um, but Mercedes, after one race, after only one race, Mercedes appears to be very, very dominant. And for Max or anybody else to win, Mercedes would have to massively, massively screw up. Now, will there be an asterisk? I'm sure somebody will. Like, I'm like, eh, I don't care. But I'm sure somebody's going to say, well, they won in 2020 because it was a weird season and there was coronavirus. And I, I, I'll be honest. First of all, no one should ever cheapen winning because winning is not easy. No matter, even if a team wins with a blowout, it's not easy. Winning takes a lot of preparation, logistics, a team. You, you should never, ever cheapen winning. I hate when people do that. But number two, isn't it maybe more impressive if you win during a global pandemic, during a crazy time where nothing's certain and everything's kind of on the fly. You can put an asterisk at, you know, next to winning a championship in 2020, but maybe you go, you go the other way where you say, okay, it's maybe a shortened year in a weird circumstance, but maybe the weird circumstance is why it's impressive. Whoever wins the championship, whatever constructor, whatever racer wins, they found a way to thrive in spite of the adversity all over the world. That's impressive to me. Don't ever cheapen winning. I hate when people do that. People do it all the time. And it's like, you can't diminish winning. It's so hard to win. It's so hard to succeed and make it. When people say you got lucky or this or that, shut up. You know how much work goes into being successful? It takes a ton. And so um, I, I just don't believe in putting an asterisk next to winning this year. I want to end the show the same way I always do, which is to say that... Um, Four years ago, my younger brother took his life, and it was really painful. It's the worst thing I've ever been through, and I learned two really painful lessons. Number one, if you're struggling, please go get help. Go talk to a teacher or a counselor or a coach 
or a professor, whatever it is, go talk to somebody that can help you and then go get professional help. But if you're struggling, my brother never came and talked to me when he was having dark thoughts. And I just, I never knew he was suicidal. I had no idea. And uh, one day I walked into his bedroom, found him dead on the floor. It was terrible, horrible, the worst thing in my life. So I, I ask you, please, if you're struggling, go talk to somebody. You're not alone. Go get help. And if you really have nobody else, as a last resort, if you have no one to talk to, you can call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. And now the second lesson I learned is that please make sure that people in your life know how much you love them. Please give people hugs. Tell them, you know, I tell my friends, hey, if you're struggling, I'm here for you. You can talk to me. I care. I want you to make it. I'm here for you. You know, my brother and I only talked about sports and video games and movies and girls, and that's about it. My brother and I never really had a deep, in-depth conversation like, hey, how's life? How you doing? How was your breakup? How was this? How was that? And I regret that. And so I encourage you. I'm okay. I know, you know, it, it was four years ago. What happened to my brother was not my fault. And it won't be your fault that something happens in your life. But I, I really would encourage people, make sure that you tell the people in your life to love them. Make it clear that you care about them and that you're there for them if they're struggling. I wish I'd done a better job telling my brother how much I cared about him and made it more clear to him that I, he could have talked to me because he never did. And that's sad. Now, again, I'm okay. It's been years. I, I still struggle. It's still, I care with him, but I want you to be clear. Like, I'm okay. I don't need messages saying, Zach, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. You got it because I've gotten that before. I don't want that. But I, I just want to encourage people. Hug your girlfriend. Hug your mom. Hug your dad, your brother, your best friend. Tell people you love them. It makes a huge impact in their lives. And uh, I think when someone dies, all you think about is, man, I wish I'd said that to them more. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, Formula One is fun for me, man. I love it. It's a passion project. And I uh, got a lot of good stuff. I, I wrote a ton about football today. We're doing another topic, uh, another normal SOS tomorrow, uh, probably in the morning, hopefully, probably afternoon, if I'm realistic. So I'm going to go to bed at some point and have to sleep and try to, who knows what, but New stuff's coming. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are...